On Sunday mornings, the past three Sunday mornings, we've been surveying some of the participants in the Christmas account as they are recorded in Scripture. Now, that's what we've been doing. Remember, our goal, however, has been that we would see and that we would know and that we would celebrate and that we would worship Jesus as never before. And so understand that is our mission, that is our objective, that is our goal, that we would see and we would know and we would celebrate and we would worship Jesus as never before. That is my prayer this season, that is my prayer as we go through this month, that we would in the midst of all of this busyness, of all of this craziness, that we would not miss the true glory of our Savior, Jesus. Well, so far we have looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, we see that she is faithful, that she is obedient. We hear her say, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. She is faithful. She is obedient. Then we looked at Joseph, and we see even though he has no recorded words, that he is gracious. And as we read the account of Joseph, we see that he is more concerned with the reputation of his wife than his own reputation. More than that, we see that he is more concerned with the work and the mission of God than he is his own. And so we see Joseph is a gracious, giving man. What an awesome home for Jesus to grow up in. I think about that. What a perfect home for Jesus to grow up in. Last week, if you remember, we looked at Jesus himself, Emmanuel, the God who draws near. And in doing so, there's so much there. There's so many things to see. But we see in Jesus that he is humble. God himself who comes as a man, the creator of who enters into creation to be our Savior. And so we see a lot of things, but we see He is our humble Savior. Well, today we're going to look at maybe a strange group. Uh, we're going to look at maybe what's an unexpected group. And because of all the Christmas plays with kids in their bathrobes, it is a familiar group. And that is today we're going to look at the shepherds in the Christmas account. Our message today is entitled, The Savior for Shepherds. The Savior for Shepherds. Our verses are found today in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Familiar verses, we've already looked at them. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. The Savior for Shepherds. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, 
Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And they, when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told to them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And we, we just start off by praising you right now. We thank you right now. Lord, we come and we know you are, you are glorious, that you are marvelous, that you are matchless. And so we come and our, our heart's intent, Lord, is to worship you, to praise you. I pray as we've assembled, I pray right in this instant, if there's anything that's distracting us, anything that would take our thoughts somewhere else, anything that would... Have us, have us have bitterness or, or some distraction or busyness. Lord, I pray that right now we would turn and we would hear from your voice, that we would hear from your heart. And I pray that we would be impacted. Lord, I pray that this next few minutes would not be normal, but anything but normal. And I pray that you would supernaturally speak through your word. I know that you do. Lord, I pray the fruit of that is that we as a people, we would know you. We would see you. Oh, that our hearts would well up and we would celebrate you, that we would truly worship you today. And Lord, I pray if there's somebody that doesn't know you, maybe they're here, maybe they're listening in some other way, but they don't know you. I pray that in this day, in the proclamation of the gospel, the good news of a risen Savior, this very day, they would turn to you. I pray any hindrance to that would be removed. And I pray, Lord, that it would be a great day of victory. Lord, we come and we just tell you, we do thank you, Emmanuel, Christ, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, here's the thing that I'm finding. Over and over again, here's the thing that I'm finding. The truth of our Savior, Jesus, the truth of Emmanuel, the truth of the Lamb of God is bigger than I imagined. Now, I say that, and you say, well, that sounds like a no-brainer. Well, I want to tell you, the more I study, and the more I live, and the more I consider, I see the truth of our Savior Jesus is bigger than I could have imagined. Now, I've always known that it is big. I've always known that it's more than I could grasp or I could understand. I understand that. But I want to tell you, I'm finding it is even bigger even deeper, even more profound, even more unimaginable than I previously thought. Well, today we're going to see that again. Today we're going to see another example of that. Today we have 13 verses, 13 simple verses. Today we have a straightforward account, one that we've heard many times, a very familiar account. And yet there is so much here. There is so much here more maybe than we have previously seen. And I'll just tell you, maybe more than we could take in, maybe more than we're going to take in in this hour. So let's look at our verses today. Let's look at our Savior through these verses. Starting back in verse 8. Chapter 2, verse 8. 
In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out of the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. The verse starts off, and it says, in the same region. In the same region. Now, the foremost context is the same region where Jesus was born. You want to know what the exact context is? That's what it is. In verses 1 through 7, it says Jesus is born. He's placed in a manger. And in verse 8, it says, and in the same region. And so the foremost context is where Jesus was born. Where he's born? In the same region. But I want to show you this morning, it is also much greater than that. My prayer is this, you'll never see these verses the same. And that's what I started thinking yesterday afternoon. My prayer is that you'll never see these verses the same. See this, watch this. This region, and in the same region, this region is Judea. It is the region of the descendants of Israel from the tribe of Judah. Now that is important. Uh, this region, this land, was their inheritance in the promised land. And so we have a, a tie-in already to Abraham. We have a tie-in to Israel. This was for the promised descendants of Israel, the tribe of Judah. And so this region is Judah. Also in this region, there is the city of Bethlehem called the city of David here in Scripture. Now what that means is, let me explain that. The home of Jesse, go all the way back to the Old Testament, the, the home of Jesse, the father of the eight sons, remember, remember the, the, the eighth son, the youngest son stays in the fields, that youngest was David, who had become the great king of Israel. Well, it is in Bethlehem that, that Jesse lives, where he has his home, and so it is in this region where David was born and raised. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. It was an agricultural area. It was a grain producing area. It was also a place where they raised and they grazed sheep. In fact, it was in this same region where the young shepherd David watched his father's sheep. It was in this same region where he fought the bear, where he fought the lion. And I want to tell you, it could have very well been in the same fields where David tended to the sheep, in this same region. And not only that, in this region, five miles to the north of Bethlehem was Jerusalem, the renowned capital city. It's the place of the temple. It's the place where God's presence is said to dwell. And it was in this region, it was in this city, it was at that temple that the priests offered the sacrificial lambs for the sins of the people. One more thing. If you traveled in this same region from the fields near Bethlehem to the capital city of Jerusalem, you would see a hill outside of that city. You would see a hill outside of the city gates 
upon which sometimes criminals were displayed, where criminals were executed for their crimes. A hill named Golgotha, a hill that we call Calvary. And so I want us to understand all of that exists in this same region. The verse goes on and it says, in the same region there were some shepherds. There were some shepherds. Now, talk about nondescript. Talk about generic. Talk, talk about a forgettable introduction. They are described as some shepherds. In this same region, there were some shepherds. It doesn't tell us their names. Might have been interesting to know that. It doesn't tell us their ages. Are they young? Are they old? It doesn't tell us that. It doesn't tell us which situation brought them there. Maybe they had traveled there. Maybe they had a career somewhere else. Maybe this is what their family did. It doesn't tell us how long they had been shepherds. Maybe they were new at it. Maybe they had done it for ages. In fact, there is no noticeable marker assigned to them other than they are some shepherds. All we know about them is their occupation. These are shepherds. Now, from that, we can deduce some things. We can discern some things. Number one, we would know this. They raise sheep. From their, from their title, we know they raise sheep. Most likely to support the demand for the countless sacrifices that were being made in Jerusalem. And so as the folks traveled in, as they had to secure a lamb, most likely these shepherds served to produce the lambs that would be sacrificed in Jerusalem. Also, we can deduce they lived among the animals. The Bible tells us that. We see even at night they stayed with the animals. Now understand, because of that, because of this, they were deemed ceremonially unclean. Now what that means is they were not able to go into the town. They were not able to rub shoulders with other folks. They were not able to go to the sacrifices and the festivals that they provided the lambs for. Because of that, they were looked down on. And you can read other historians talk about the shepherds that by this time they were looked down on. I want to tell you, I believe it's deeper than that. I think more than that, they were not only looked down upon, mostly they were overlooked. Mostly they weren't seen at all. And so these shepherds there out of the field, they were needed, but they were not noticed. They were important, but they were not valued. And they were literally to a world that was moving quickly by some shepherds. Oh, out there somewhere, there's some shepherds. We don't give them much value. We need the product they produce. That's what we value. There are some folks out there. There are some shepherds. They are overlooked. So we see here there are some shepherds. In the same reason, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. Verse 9. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly now, I want us to not miss this. We read this so much, it might become common to us. I want us to see this. In a normal world, on a normal night, there were some overlooked men who were doing their normal thing. And then the Bible says, and then the angel of the Lord stood before them. 
And so here it is. It's another night. We don't know what night it is. It's another day in a normal world. These normal men are doing their normal thing. But then it says, and the angel of the Lord stood before them. The Bible says this. Their response is they were frightened. They were sore afraid, the King James used to say. They were frightened. Well, indeed, they were. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, wow, do not be afraid, for behold, see, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Let me tell you something this morning, verse 10, verse 11, now, these are some of my favorite verses. I know that I say that about a lot of verses. Uh, these are truly some of my absolute favorite verses. You see, in verses 10 and 11, we find that the message of Jesus is good news. And you want to boil it down? You want to get simple? Well, the message of Jesus is good news. The message, the gospel of Jesus is good news. And the result of that is great joy. The result of that is great joy. God opens up with that. Here's an announcement, and it is good news, and that good news is going to result in great joy. Listen to me today. Hear me today. Listen to me. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever situation you're in right now, Jesus is good news. And I want to tell you, listen, we come in here today and we've got these things going on, and we've got the hardships of life that are brewing out there. I want to tell you, whoever you are, whatever your situation is, Jesus is good news. And I want to tell you the flip side of that, added on to that, is this. And so available for you is great joy. Available for you is great joy. Oh, you don't know what's happening. You don't know the, the mess I'm in. You don't know where I find myself. Listen to me. And the good news of a risen Savior and the good news of Jesus, there is great joy for you right now. Oh, what kind of Christmas would we have if we walked through it like that? Oh, we have good news. Oh, I'm in great joy. You thought that was the awesome part. Here's the awesome part. which will be for all the people. Listen, this is what God says. Which will be for all the people. There is good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Now listen, I know I'm starting to sound like a broken record. And all I can say about that is good. <laughs> Are you listening to me this morning? According to God's word, God's own word, the gospel is good news for all people. Listen to me. The gospel is good news for all people, and I want you to hear me. And if it's not good news for all people, it's not the gospel. And I see versions of this, and I see switches of this, and I see infiltrations of this, and I want to tell you this, if it's not good news for all people, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The angel says there is good news, and praise the Lord, it is for all the people. How do we know that? How do we know that? I want you to watch in these verses. It goes on and it says this. 
For today in the city of David, for today in the city of David, let me just tell you, I want to go on right here, and I want to keep going on with the message, but I think it's important to stop, and I want to show you something right here. For today in the city of David, did you know there are two cities of David? Did you know that? There's actually two cities of David. There is Bethlehem, the Bible says, in the city of David. There is Bethlehem, the city of David. Jerusalem, however, was also known as the city of David. In fact, it was far better known as the city of David. If you were to say to somebody, hey, I'm going to the city of David, they wouldn't have thought you were going to Bethlehem. They would have thought you were going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem also is known as the city of David, and it is far better known as the city of David. When David was king, he moved the capital there. When David was king, he built the king's palace there. When David was king, he planned for the temple there. And so there are two cities of David. One David built, one built David. One where the people would gather, one where the people would pass by. One was the seat of prestige and power, therefore the home of politics. The other was a footnote in history. One was renowned and impressive, the other was quietly common. One other thing. There are two cities of David. One where the sacrifices were offered and one where the sacrifices were produced. Well, guess which one this is. In the city that produces the lambs, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Did you see that? coming out of the city, not the one that was renowned, not the one that everybody would have thought of, coming out of the city that quietly, commonly produced the lamb. There has been born for you in that city a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, I want to tell you, that's so, that's so deep. There's so much there. We could go on. I could preach two sermons right here. There is a Savior. There is a hope. There is a remedy for sin. There is a peace for sinners. There is a way to be reconciled unto God. There is a Savior who is Christ, who is the promised Savior, who is the promised salvation of God. It says the Lord, God himself. There's so much we could look at right there, but I want you to see this. The announcement says, the announcement declares right here, born for you. Born for you. That's what it says. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here's what I want you to see. Born for you. Born for you. You is plural. You is plural. Now, there's no really transition to take that out of the original language and bring it into English. The best translation, I'm being serious, the best translation is y'all. That's the best translation here. Born for you, plural. Born for y'all is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, I want you to stay with me right here. I want you to look at our Savior. 
Look at our Savior right here. The Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, the, the King of Glory, the Messiah, the Promised Savior, the Christ, our Savior, Emmanuel, God in flesh, eternal God. I want you to look at him right here. In verse 10, he says, the good news of great joy is for all people. Listen to me. Did he mean it? Is that really what he meant when he said it? Doesn't he have to say that? Doesn't he have to say what will sound good? Did he mean it? Did he really mean it when he said all people? How do we know that that's true? It says, born for y'all. The direct context. He could have gone to the Temple Mount to make that announcement. Doesn't that seem more fitting? He could have gone to the Temple Mount to make that announcement. He could have sent the angel to the king's palace. He could have done it in the king's courtyard. Doesn't that seem more fitting? He, he could announce it at the city's gate where everybody comes in and where everybody goes out. Doesn't that seem like a better place? He could have assembled the king and the priests and the scribes and the governors and the ruling class. He could have done it in Caesar's presence himself if he'd have wanted to do it. Oh, but look at our Savior today. He goes to the unvalued. He goes to the overlooked. He goes to the cut off and rejected. He goes to the ones that are close to religion but are pushed out of its practice. He goes to the ones that are not sleeping on fine beds and palaces but are sleeping on the ground out in a pasture. And it is to lowly, overlooked, unlikely shepherds that he says, born for you, for y'all is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Look at our Savior today. Oh, look at our Savior. He's the Savior for shepherds. He's the Savior for shepherds. <clears throat> Don't miss this. See this. He makes the announcement of a Savior born in a city that produces the lambs to the people responsible for raising the lambs. Do not miss this. Woven wisely in the record of his birth. Revealed majestically in the account of Christmas. Stated solidly in the facts of his story. It is all about the lamb. Do you see that? It is all about the lamb. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Listen to me, the marvelous announcement of Christmas. There is a Lamb for you. We have a Lamb. His name is Jesus. Now I could stop right there and it'd be a pretty good sermon. Don't say amen. There's a couple more things we ought to see. How tremendous is that already? It's all about the Lamb. The city that produces the lambs 
is where the lamb is born. The people that will care for the lamb, they're the ones that the announcement comes to. It's all about the lamb. We have a lamb in Jesus. A couple more things to see. Verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now I don't want to pass by that. I want you to see that. I want you to try to picture that. This pasture is normal no longer. This night is ordinary no more. The Bible says a multitude of the heavenly host. Now I want you to understand what's happening here. Here they are, this angel comes. He brings the good news born for y'all in the city of David. The city that produces the lamb is the lamb, Jesus Christ. But then at that point it says a multitude of the heavenly host. A multitude is hard to define. What is a multitude? I don't know how big a multitude is. I don't think it's 20. I don't think a multitude is 200. One translation says it is the angels of the armies of heaven. But I want you to see what has happened here. There has been a great multitude, and I, I, my, my brain says thousands upon thousands of angels that are dispatched to worship the Lamb and to say glory to God in the highest. Now, I don't know how far they stretched. Maybe they were in every direction that they looked. Maybe they were on every hillside around there. I don't know how loud it was, but they're saying together, glory to God in the highest. How marvelous that must have been. How unordinary that must have been. And the multitudes of the hosts of heaven are worshiping the Lamb. Go look in Revelation. Sounds a lot like heaven. Sounds a lot like heaven. How marvelous is that sight. So what do they do? Verse 15, I don't, know, I don't know if they fall on the ground. I don't know if they, if they get behind the sheep. I don't know what they're doing, but here's what they do, verse 15. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying, it's continual to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Let us go to Bethlehem. We ought to go to Bethlehem. What do you want to do? We should go to Bethlehem, verse 16. So they came in a hurry. Now, I, I can't imagine coming any other way after what has just happened. They came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby as he lay in the manger. Verse 17, when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. They make their way there. They go there in haste. They get there in a hurry. And when they get there, it's exactly as God said. It is exactly as God said. Now listen, they just saw a multitude of angels they just heard the announcement of the angel of the Lord. But now they go and they go in haste and they get there and it is exactly as God says. You know what that means? This baby is the Christ. 
This baby is the Messiah. This baby is the one. And I don't, I don't know what they're processing all the way through, but they get there and it's exactly as God has said. And they look and they see Mary and Joseph and they see the baby and they know this is our Savior. All the years, all the prophets, the old song says, the hopes and fears of all the years. This is the one. The Bible says at that point, they became the first evangelist. They became the first sharers of good news. Now, is that not what you would do? Is that not what we would do? Is that not, how could it not be what we would do? They begin the first, become the first sharers of good news. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. Verse 18. And all who heard it, and all who heard it, wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Notice that word all. It's, it's more than a few. It is, it is a telling word. It means all. It means they're not missing anybody. They're turned and they're talking to that person. And if they'll listen, they'll tell them. And then they turn and they tell that person. And everyone, they're telling, this is the one. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Let me read verse 20 again slowly. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. I want you to see this. When the account starts, they are described as some shepherds. It is general, it is broad, it is nondescript. Some shepherds, out in the same region, there were some shepherds. But when the account ends in verse 20, they are now the shepherds. It is now specific. It's not some shepherds. It is these ones. It is these shepherds. Some shepherds have now forever become the shepherds. And where when they were some, they were unnoticed. When they were some, they were not valued. They are now the shepherds, recognized, known, and remembered. Notice the difference in them. The difference is this. They'd met Jesus. They'd seen the faithfulness of God. God answered his promise. God answered his promise to the prophets. God answered his promise to them. They knew God was faithful. They knew God was trustworthy. They see the promise revealed. They see their Savior they had met Jesus. I want you to think about the ending. I think it's pretty profound. The Bible says, and the shepherds went 
back. They went back. What a night they'd had. What, a, what an event they had walked through. But at the end of it, here's what it says. They went back. They went back to the pasture. They went back to the sheep. They were still out there. They went back to the job that nobody saw. They went back to where they were overlooked. They went back to where they were undervalued. Nobody cared. They went back. But I want you to see this. They went back, but they weren't the same. You see, the Bible says they were glorifying and praising God. When you look that up, when you break it down, it means they were lifting up, they were exalting, they were praising God. And so listen to me, they go back, but they go back and they're praising God. They're worshiping God. They're lifting high the name of their Savior. They're worshiping. Friends, today, we go back. We go back to a world that's going crazy. We go back to a world that's hurting and broken. We go back to a world that's quickly passing by. We go back to a world that needs its lamb. We go back to a world that needs its Savior. So my call today is this, Christmas 2022. May we go back as believers differently. May we go back changed. May we go back, yes, it's a messed up world. Yes, it's a hard time. May we go back glorifying God. May we go back praising God. May we go back exalting the Lamb. And when things are hard and things are tough, may we not get pulled down. May we not get pulled in. But may we exalt our Savior, Jesus. May we overflow in the praise of Jesus. We're going back. Let us go back singing, exalting the praise of Jesus. Let's pray. Mary, the Heavenly Father, we come. Lord, I'm thankful. The depth of your, your wisdom, the pinpoint wisdom that's just displayed, a, a city that produced lambs produces the lamb. A city that was the home of David produces the, the heir to the throne of David. A city that was the promise to the descendant of Abraham, Judah, from the tribe of Judah comes our Savior. From the people that would care for the Lamb, people unnoticed, people not religious, people passed by and overlooked, comes the Savior for all people. Lord Jesus, I praise you. Lord, I pray we'd be blown away today. Lord, I, I pray we'll be excited today. Lord, I pray we'll be filled with awe and wonder today. And I pray, Lord, that we'd be evangelists like these shepherds, telling all who will look our way, all that will listen, there is a lamb in Jesus. There is a savior in Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the truth of it. Thankful for the truth of it, Jesus. And Lord, I pray as we close out this sermon that a couple things, if somebody doesn't know you, I pray that they turn to you today, that they find your grace and your goodness and your sacrifice and your salvation today. And I pray for those of us that do know you that we would walk out of here with a spring and a step and a sparkle in our eye 
and a message on our mouth. There is a lamb, there is a savior, Jesus. Lord, I, I pray as we go through this week that we celebrate your birth, I pray that joy would overflow us, that you be exalted and glorified in all that. Lord, in this time of invitation, I ask that you would move, that you would work, and I pray it would bring you much glory. I trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close today with a time of response, a time of invitation. I want to tell you, every, every message we look at, every verse that we, we break down brings us back to Jesus, brings us back to the good news of the gospel of Jesus. We're sinners. In our sin, we've earned a punishment, death, separation from God for all eternity. But our God is so gracious, and he's so loving that he sends his only begotten son to make a way for us, a remedy for us. And it is good news, and it brings great joy. He came, he lived a life of, of no sin, never having once sinned. In that, he's able to go in our stead as the perfect lamb, the final lamb, to pay the cost for sinful people. He does that on the cross. It is paid in him, settled in him on the cross of Calvary. They take him like they would those lambs, he's dead. They take him, they place him in a borrowed tomb, he's dead. It is paid in him. Three days later, he walks out of the tomb. He stands as the risen lamb, the risen savior, the defeater of death, the victor over sin. The Bible says that is done. It is actual. It is truth. The Bible says it's finished in Jesus. But the good news for all people is this. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what road you've taken. Doesn't matter where you find yourself today. If you will turn to Jesus today, you know what he'll do for you? He'll save you. He'll forgive you. He'll restore you. He'll reconcile you. He'll renew you today if you'll trust in Jesus. That is the good news of great joy for all people. If you've never done that today, do it today. If you need more information, you come. Let's settle that today. There's hope in Jesus. There's salvation alone in Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. What an awesome testimony at this time of the year, to say, you know what, I want that testimony. I want folks to know what I believe of Christ, who I am in Christ, that I've died with him and I now walk with him. And so you come, we'll set a day to be a great day of celebration. You come, let's, let's, let's do that for his testimony, his namesake. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll celebrate and serve his gospel, his good news, his truth until he comes again. Maybe you're here and you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you're here and you want to come pray with me. The Bible says nothing's too big, nothing's too small. God knows where you're at. His grace is new and abundant every single day. Maybe you want to come pray at this time. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about or head for an exit. But you would pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out, you come on, I'll meet you here.